This afternoon, I may preach to you God's holy word as we find it summarized and confessed in Lord's Day 49 of the Heidelberg Catechism. You can find that in the back of the Book of Praise on page 562. So we'll be considering the third petition of the Lord's Prayer, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And as we prepare ourselves for God's Word proclaimed on this topic, it's good to ask ourselves the question, what do we mean here by the will of God? What is referred to when we say, your will be done? You see, when the Bible talks about God's will, it actually speaks of two different things. First of all, there's God's hidden or secret will, His eternal counsel. It's a will that we don't know. Not even the angels in heaven know that will. We only know that will after it happens, after the fact. God's will refers to his, the outpouring of his providence and, and his actions. For example, we might want to know what is the will of God concerning a congregation member who has a terminal illness. So we'll pray for healing, but we also realize God may have a different plan. His will may be different than ours. Or healing does come, and some come to healing after walking a long and difficult path, and so we discover that was God's will concerning that illness. In James 4, we read about business. Will our business prosper or not in the year ahead? And we learn there in James 4 that we are to make our plans as the Lord wills. That is, we, we plan, but we recognize that it may not go as we plan. It may not work out in the way we hope and intend. Will a young Christian man meet a young Christian woman to marry? Concerning God's secret will, our duty is to wait patiently for it, to accept it when it is, when, when it is not desired, or to thank God when he grants wonderful gifts. The point with God's secret will is that ultimately we must confess that God's intentions and plans are always for our good. Even evil, God turns to our benefit. Our duty is to entrust ourselves fully to our faithful God and Father. That is God's hidden and secret will. When we pray this petition, are we praying that we will accept God's hidden and secret will. Secondly, in the Bible, we also learn about God's revealed will. That is God's special revelation to his people in which he tells us directly what he wants us to do. That is God's law for our lives. God's revealed will is addressing the kind of actions that God expects of us. Concerning God's revealed will, 
We see it summarized in the Ten Commandments, as well as in the command of love. It's our duty to follow that will and to obey it. This revealed will is made known to us by the guidance of God's Word, through the enlightenment and illumination of the Holy Spirit. By this guidance, the Lord shows us our place and thereby also our task. When we pray this petition, are we praying that we will follow and obey God's revealed will? Brothers and sisters, I submit to you this afternoon that this petition is referring to God's revealed will, to his word, to his commandments for our lives of faith. It's a petition, a prayer to God that we, indeed all men, might obey and fulfill and do God's revealed will. And our catechism will also show us this. Let's now turn to the catechism and read what we confess concerning this petition. What is the third petition? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is, grant that we and all men may deny our own will and without murmuring obey your will, for it alone is good. Grant also that everyone may carry out the duties of his office and calling as willingly and faithfully as the angels in heaven. So brothers and sisters, we hear God's word proclaimed this afternoon under this theme, pray that God's revealed will is done on earth. Pray that God's revealed will is done on earth. So we pray for the knowledge of God's will, that in the first place. Secondly, we pray for the obedience of God's will. And third, we pray for the love of God's revealed will. So first then, we pray for the knowledge of God's will. Through the history of redemption, the way that God has revealed his will has differed. For example, in Bible times, especially in the Old Testament, God revealed his will in different ways. For example, through dreams and visions. In Genesis 28, we read of Jacob who is fleeing from Esau, and he receives in a dream the confirmation from God that it is good for him to flee, but also the promise that he would return to Canaan. God also revealed himself, as we read in Exodus 28, Numbers 27, through what is called the Urim and Thummim. These are two stones that were in the high priest's breastpiece of his high priestly garment. Admittedly, it's not clear to us how God communicated messages through these stones, how he explained to the people what he wanted them to do, whether to go to war or not, for example. But through that, those Urim and Thummim, God certainly made known what he wanted his people to do at that moment. God also revealed his will through the voice of the prophet, 
who received a special inspiration of the Holy Spirit and thus knew and spoke God's will to the people. Elijah, Elisha, Isaiah, Jeremiah, and others called the people to faith in the only God. He called them to repentance from serving false gods. Notice, and this is a significant matter, by using the prophets to reveal his will, we are actually seeing in the Old Testament a development of how God makes his will known. For the prophets who were speaking were also called to write down God's word and will. So what we're seeing in the Old Testament is development of God's revelation, that it goes from the spoken word to the written word. That's actually what scriptures even means. It means writings. And what happens in the Old Testament becomes even more clear in the New, where the will of God becomes further known through teachings, and then particularly through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in the writings of the apostles. We read of Jesus teaching the people, and we know that in time, then also Matthew and Mark and Luke and John, like our reading, wrote the words of Jesus down so that we would know God's will for our lives. Though there are some occasions of dreams and prophets in the New Testament, what we do see is that it becomes less and less. And in the end, it's all about what is written down. So that we read in Revelation 22, these words, I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. Of course, these words apply specifically and first of all to the, to the book of Revelation, but... The fact that it is the last book and that the Holy Spirit providentially has this as the last book of the Bible would also indicate to us that it's the whole word of Scripture that is being included in these words. Thus we see in the New Testament the acts and sayings and teachings of the Lord Jesus who spoke from God and with divine authority. We read that in John 7. In our reading, Jesus clearly shows what he teaches and therefore was written down. What was written down was the will of God. And the majority of the New Testament books are written by the apostles. The rest written down by those closely associated to the apostles. So that in Ephesians 1 verse 20, we read that the New Testament is even called the Apostles. Ultimately, God makes his will known to us through the full and complete written word of God, which we call the Holy Scriptures. Some of it God wrote down with his own finger, like the Ten Commandments. Some of it God dictated 
to, it, to the author so that they wrote down directly what God said to them. And then other scriptures, the prophets or authors wrote through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit such that we also even see the character and learning of the author. But one thing is true of all these writings, these books, is that they were inspired by God. Or, as we read in 2 Timothy 3, verse 16, all scripture, all the writings, are breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. All the scriptures are God-breathed. And it is sufficient. That's what we also read. Profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped, equipped for every good work. God's Word, the Holy Scriptures, the Bible are sufficient, are enough so that we all can be taught and rebuked and corrected and trained for every good work we must do. From the Word of God, therefore, we are learning God's will. We are learning what He wants us to do. This is exactly why God committed his holy will to writing the scriptures so that not only the people at the time, but also the future generations, including ourselves, can hear, can read, and can know about God and his will. Therefore, we confess as well in the Belgian Confession, Article 7, we believe that this holy scripture fully contains the will of God and that all that man must believe in order to be saved is sufficiently taught therein. The Holy Scripture fully contains the will of God. It continues, the whole manner of worship which God requires of us is written in it at length. And that's a reference to the worship we do on Sunday, like we do now, but also a worshipful life. The whole manner of our worshipful life is written down. It's explained to us. God indicates to us in his word how it should be. Everything God commands of us, therefore, everything he requires of us in private daily worship and life is found written in this word. Beloved, if you want to know what to do in any given situation in your life, our confession today is indicating that you can find that answer, you can find the direction, you can find the guidance in the Holy Bible. And so Jesus taught us to pray that God's will be done. He taught us to pray to search the scriptures and ask God for help in understanding his will. 
so that we know what to do. And it's a very important confession because our sinful nature is that we don't want to do that. We want to do our thing. We have the tendency, beloved, to want to determine right and wrong by ourselves, to do what is right in our own eyes rather than the Word of God. And you also know what happens when we do what is right in our own eyes. God's holy and divine scriptures also tell us that. No, we cannot rely on our own wisdom. It isn't dependable. We must turn to the scriptures every day for answers, for guidance. Search the scriptures. We pray your will be done because we want to know God's will. And what do we do if after all this we feel the Bible still doesn't address the issues we face in our life directly? Of course, if the Bible were like that, an instruction manual for every issue we face in life, then it would become too big. It also wouldn't include many of the ethical issues we face today, or else God has to continue to supply us more and more with his will. No, the point here is what our Lord has revealed to us in his word are divine, regulative principles to which we must apply our everyday lives. When we have that confession that the scriptures are enough, when we abide by these principles, then we trust the answers for all of our specific issues we deal with. The answers will come. When we address these things in prayer and in faith, the Lord will direct us through the illumination of His Spirit through His Word. The key is that we do not do what is right in our own eyes, but we do as the Lord wills. So what we are praying for is a knowledge of God's will, first of all, but then also knowing that will, that we also will set out to obey it. And that's our second point. We pray for obedience of God's will. We want to respond to the knowledge of God's will. We want to obey what he calls us to do. Before the fall into sin, at the beginning of creation, our natural inclination was to do exactly that, to do God's holy will. Our first parents, we read in Scripture in Genesis 1, the first chapter of the Bible, is that they were created in the image of God. That means that they reflected in many ways their creator God in heaven. For example, they reflected the righteousness of God and, and the holiness of God. They understood God's will insofar as God had revealed it to them and 
They did it. They wanted to do it. And yet, this knowledge, this ability, this freedom of the will was lost when they sinned, became corrupted. They and we, as represented by them, threw away the ability. And consequently, our will is today in our nature, as Jesus explains it in John 8, verse 44, it is to do the devil's desire. That's the nature in which we are conceived and born. Thankfully, in God's Word, we also read how He further revealed His plan and gave us His will for us to follow. He sends His Spirit into our hearts. He gave His Son to die for our sins and wash us through rebirth and regeneration so that we can begin to do that will again. This also is why we pray to do God's will. Because we depend on God for the ability. We depend on God to die to our old nature and to come alive in the new nature. Were it not for God's strength and God's guidance and God's spirit, we would not do His will. It's very comforting then to know the covenant promises of God. As we heard this morning, God promises to us in baptism that He will give us His Spirit to renew us inwardly, to change our hearts, to make us new people, to once again write His law or His will on the tablet of our hearts. That God will work in us so that more and more we will perform His holy will and put the works of the flesh to death. Beloved, when we respond to the Lord's call with faith, then God is working that renewal in us. So this petition is not only to know the will of God, but also to obey it. It is a prayer for that renewal. It's a prayer for the working of the Holy Spirit in our hearts to not only know it, but to do it. It's asking for a spirit of obedience. And in that light, let us also realize that it is not enough to simply pray to do the will of God, but even wanting to do the will of God requires a call to action. Praying to do the will of God, in other words, is still not enough. The Bible says, pray and work. That's why when nothing happens, when we only pray, when there is no change, we are inclined to say then prayer doesn't help. But beloved, if we are praying that God will help us to do His will, we also then have to further seek it. That is, we need to talk to the right people. We need to enroll sometimes in, a, in the right program. We need to to find a counselor and get biblical advice. We have to push the button, change the channel, flip the page, 
download the proper accountability software. When we ask God to do His will, when we pray for that, that involves our conscious work and effort. We have to pray and work. When we struggle with sin, that requires an effort on our part to change our patterns and ways of doing things, to walk down the paths laid down before us in the Scriptures. For that to happen, also, there needs to be a real change within us. And that brings us to our third point, that we also pray for a love for God's will. That's how we'll end this afternoon. If it's possible, beloved, to know what God wants of us, to know His will. It's even possible to go through the notions to do, to try to do what God wants of us, while at the same time, in the end, we don't enjoy it. We don't want to. We don't love it. And that's a problem too, isn't it? That when we have to do something, we would rather not do it. Sometimes we do it, but not willingly. Beloved, when we pray to do God's will, then in the third place, we also are praying for the love and the joy in doing it. And that's expressed in this third petition with the words, your will be done on earth as it is done in heaven. We are praying that we will do God's will, in other words, just like God's will is being performed in heaven through the service and obedience of the angels. We want to do God's will here, just like the angels are faithfully doing God's will in heaven. They're doing it joyfully. In Psalm 103, we, we heard some words from the beginning of this chapter where David is, is calling his soul to bless the Lord, to praise the Lord, at the end of this psalm, we read these words. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. He's saying here, He's calling the angels to do the will of God, verses 20 and 21, and then he's calling all of God's creation to bless the Lord, to do his will. And, and the implication there is to do it like the angels do it. Not reluctantly. Not, worse, hypocritically but to do it joyfully and gladly, willingly and faithfully, loving to obey. Concerning obedience to God's revealed will, beloved, it is necessary, therefore, that our heart is in it. 
if our heart isn't in what we do, then even if it is in accordance with God's will, even if it is obeying God's commandments, it is not real praise and thanksgiving to God. And that means then our committee work and our daily job, our tasks as fathers and mothers, our schoolwork, our part-time job, our volunteer work, if we don't love to do that, it's not really praiseworthy, is it? Then our attempts to, to really change, to kick a bad habit, to rise out of addiction, is not glorifying to God, is it? Let us pray then for the love as well to do God's will. Through faith, through the working of the Holy Spirit, God will begin to bend our stubborn will and make them willing again. As Christians, we will be able to joyfully and freely do God's will from the heart. There will be a beginning again of the freedom of the will so that it is less and less and more, no longer at all, a burden to be a Christian and to obey God's commandments. Beloved, it is a matter of life. It's a matter of happiness that we perform God's will. And for that end, we pray. To that end, we strive. So let us conclude. This afternoon, we have seen through the consideration of the third petition that God promises in his word the beginning of eternal joy already today. As believers, we are heirs we confess that we're heirs to life everlasting. And we're called in that position to grow and to increase toward that perfection. So may our faith truly be built up and strengthened. And let us, to do that, also pray hard to do God's will. And we will see ourselves growing in knowledge, in obedience, and in love toward God's holy and revealed will. Amen.